She was missing for four years, a runaway from home. At 14, she disappeared. Her family in Arizona was nearly ready to give up hope. Maybe something terrible had happened. But this week, she waltzed into a police station. The prodigal returned. Alicia Navarro disappeared from her Arizona home when she was only 14. That was back in 2019. She just left. No one knows why, but she did. And no one had seen or heard from her since then. But just last week, she showed up at a Montana police station asking to clear her name from the juvenile missing list. By all accounts, she's happy, healthy, and safe. Though there are still questions about her disappearance, Why did she come back? She just wanted to talk to her mom, family. When we are lost and alone, family and belonging is where our hearts go. No matter how lonely you feel, Christ is with us and his arms are open wide. Welcome to Haven Today here on Monday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're starting a new series this week called How Great Thou Art. Then sing to my soul. I just had to play a little more of Elvis Presley. And wow, what a rendition of that powerful hymn, How Great Thou Art. It's from his Peace in the Valley album. Throughout the Bible, we are called to sing praises to the Lord. It's what we were made to do, to bring glory to his name. And whether you can carry a tune like Elvis or not, we're all called to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So this week, we're thinking more about hymns that proclaim the greatness of God. And it's my prayer that you will be deeply encouraged to sing along. In a moment, we're going to hear more from Robert Morgan, the author of Then Sings My Soul. He has a book that looks at 150 hymns that are filled with gospel truth and have stood the test of time. And we're going to think more about how great thou art. And I know you'll be amazed at how the Lord inspired the creation of this song. Rob believes that we need these hymns all the more today as our world grows darker. Well, apart from the scripture, it's the great hymns of the faith that give us our greatest resource for biblical meditation. A good hymn, Charles, is a miniature Bible study set to music. I mean, that's what it is. It's a miniature Bible study set to music. And so when we memorize a hymn, like Have Firm a Foundation or Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, Early in the Morning My Song Shall Rise to Thee, when we sing it enough so that we come to know it and we can memorize hymns easier than we can memorize Scripture because they're musical and they rhyme and they have rhythm and they get into our system a little bit easier— then we are singing to ourselves and to our Lord and to other people Bible content, Bible studies. After the program, I want to send you Rob's book, Then Sings My Soul. He's a great storyteller. 
and he shares the backstories of 150 hymns in his book, Then Sings My Soul. The book reads like a devotional, plus it includes sheet music and lyrics so you can sing along with the hymns. Then Sings My Soul will help you sing the Lord's praises with a new sense of appreciation for who he is and what he's done in your life. After the program, you can visit our website to see the book for yourself and make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And now, let's listen to the full song together, sung for us by Paul Balash.
A more modern, upbeat version of the hymn, How Great Thou Art, sung for us by Paul Balash. Here in a haven today, in a series this week, we're calling How Great Thou Art. Southern Sweden, 1886. Carl Boberg sat down to write what is now a world-famous hymn that has reached millions of hearts and drawn them to worship the Lord. How Great Thou Art, or as it is also known and happens to be the title of our series last week, Then Sings My Soul, an amazing hymn reminding us that our souls cry out to worship and to be with the Lord. Carl Boberg was a pastor, but also a poet, and in his free time he was also a government official. In his own account of how this beautiful hymn came to be, he said, It was in 1885, and at the time of year when everything seemed to be in its richest coloring, the birds were singing in the trees, and wherever they could find a perch. And on a particular afternoon, some friends and I had been to Kronenbach, where we had participated in an afternoon service. As we were returning, a thunderstorm began to appear on the horizon. We hurried to find shelter. There were loud claps of thunder, and the lightning flashed across the sky. Strong winds swept over the meadows and billowing fields of grain. However, the storm was soon over, and the clear sky appeared with a beautiful rainbow. After reaching my home, I opened my window toward the sea. The church bells were playing the tune of a hymn. That same evening, I wrote a poem which I entitled, O Stor Gut. It was a Swedish hymn at first, but it quickly began traveling the world in different languages. In 1907, it appeared for the first time in German, and then five years later, Russian. In the early 20s, two English missionaries translated the hymn into English, and their verses are how we still sing the hymn today. I asked Robert Morgan to share a little bit more about this hymn. Vernon Spencer was working in the lead and zinc mines in Oklahoma when he had a terrible accident and broke his back. Though he recovered, he was unable to return to mining, and so he looked for something else to do. He began playing music at the Bucket of Blood, a local bar and dance club in eastern Oklahoma. In 1931, Vernon took a train to Hollywood, hoping to make it big with music. He found a day job in a local grocery store, and in the nights and weekends, he would go everywhere he could trying to get gigs and play music. He took up with a couple of other would-be stars, Leonard Stile and Bob Nolan, and soon they were calling themselves the Pioneer Trio. Vernon was dubbed Tim, and from then on he was known by his stage name, Tim Spencer. Leonard Sly changed his name too. He called himself Roy Rogers. Yes, the Roy Rogers. The trio added a fourth musician and changed the group's name to the Sons of the Pioneers, and they did make it big, becoming one of the most popular country and Western singing groups in the nation. Bookings were no problem. Money rolled in, publicity was great, movie roles appeared, and Tim Spencer was just on top of the world. He married a woman named Velma, had two children, and bought a nice house in Hollywood. One of his hits was called Cigarettes, Whiskey, and wild, wild women. And unfortunately, that's the way Tim was living. He was living on the road in a very careless way while his wife Velma was faithfully taking care of the children and attending Hollywood Presbyterian Church. She prayed for her husband and was burdened for him and wrote him letters and pointed him towards the scripture. 
And so when he was on the road, he would check into a motel or a hotel, and she would have a letter waiting for him with a verse of scripture. Well, one day in 1949, Tim checked into a hotel in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, and there was a letter from Velma. He went to the room and opened the note and read it, saw the verse of scripture, and there beside him was a Gideon Bible in the hotel. He looked up the verse and read it there, and the Lord spoke to him, and soon he was on his knees, trusting Jesus Christ as his Savior. He retired from singing with the Sons of the Pioneers, went back to Hollywood and organized a gospel music publishing company called Mana Music. A few weeks later, Tim's son, Hal, who was a teenager at the time, attended a youth conference, and a missionary was there from India. During the conference, the young people were taught a new song, one that contained stirring words to an old Swedish melody. He said, my dad is in the music business. Can you get me a copy of that song? I think that maybe he can do something with it. And so Hal was given a copy of the song. He took it home, showed it to his dad. Tim Spencer was impressed with it, contacted the author, Stuart Hine, secured the rights to the song, and guided it to become one of the most beloved hymns of the 20th century. And that's the story of how the Lord used a Gideon Bible and the godly prayers of a praying wife to transform the author of Cigarettes, Whiskey, and Wild Wild Women into the Christian who helped introduce the world to the great hymn, How Great Thou Art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. Sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee. How great thou art! How great thou art! My God. The sons of the pioneers singing, How great thou art. And just before that, we heard a little more about this hymn from my friend Rob Morgan in Nashville. This is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. The backstory on this hymn, it's truly an amazing story. And if you've ever been caught up in a thunderstorm like I have, you know that it can be very unnerving. The loud booms, the bright flashes, the pouring downpour of rain. Yet in that awesome display of God's power we can also see glimpses of God's tender love. The silence that sits over the world following a storm. The animals that come to refresh themselves with freshly fallen rain. The plants that get revitalized. Carl Bobert was right. There is something awe-inspiring and deeply spiritual to be found in the middle of a thunderstorm. It all explains the first verse of this hymn, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Weather itself can remind us of our great God. The power we see displayed in a thunderstorm has the potential to terrify us, but it is only a fraction of the power that the Lord displayed when he made the world, the entire universe the awesome wonder we feel, the smallness yet 
the majestic glory we feel in the face of a storm is nothing compared to the power and the glory that the Lord displayed in creation. The cracks of the thunder are just echoes of his majesty. And that's why our souls cry out. How great thou art is a declaration that our Lord is mighty. We think about his grace and his love all the time, or I hope we do, and for good reason, though. We wouldn't know the Lord as we do if it weren't for his grace, bringing us in and forgiving our sins. But behind that love and grace, there is a majestic power that created all things and made us to know him. But even more than that, the power that we see displayed in creation points us to a power that can overcome our sin. From the hymn, these words continue. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Thunderstorms takes us to our knees in worship of the great God who made all things. But when you consider that the Almighty Lord set his heart upon you to save you, your heart cannot help but sing. The verse line is from Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God, his son not sparing. This is the love of the Lord on display, that he would send Christ to die on our behalf. When we truly sit and consider this, it becomes incomprehensible. Why should the King of glory come down and suffer for sinners like you and me? Why? We'll spend an eternity in awe and wonder at that question. It is overwhelming. The Lord did not spare even his own son, but instead sent his son to bear our sin and to bleed on a cross to take it away. Our soul sings, how great thou art, not just because the Lord created everything, not only because his power is displayed through the universe, but because he has welcomed us into his kingdom at the cost of his son. Without Jesus, we would be stuck on the outside. Have you reflected on this today? One of the best ways to grow in our relationship with the Lord is to meditate on the reasons we have to worship him. Meditate on his gospel. Meditate on his goodness in creation. Meditate on his power. And let these thoughts lead you back to him in worship with thanksgiving. More than that, let these thoughts fill you with hope and anticipation of seeing Christ once again. The final verse, when Christ shall come, with shout of acclamation, and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart, then I shall bow in humble adoration, and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. This is what we're longing for, the return of our Lord to at last fill us with unending joy, wipe away all those tears, and be with us for the rest of eternity. This is what we're longing for, Jesus said his return would come like a thief in the night. John told us in Revelation that it will come at the sound of a trumpet, a shout of acclamation. We wait and we long for that day, don't we? This world is hard to live in. It just is. And not just for the obvious reasons like severe heat or war or corruption. It's hard to live here because of our frailty. Sickness and disease threaten to undo us. 
Family life leaves us lonely. Making friends is hard. So many reasons that life on this planet is difficult, and yet the Lord is with us, and the Lord has filled us with his Spirit. And he calls us day by day to rejoice in the good news that he's rescued us from sin, and he's coming back, and he will make all things new. This is our hope. On that day, indescribable joy will fill our hearts. On that day, we will bow and worship the Lord. The Apostle Paul once wrote to the Philippians that they should meditate on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Anything excellent or praiseworthy, these are things that should fill our minds. The Lord's power in creation, his love and grace in saving us from sin, his promise to return and make all things new, these thoughts should flood our minds and our hearts. And when they do, our soul can sing. We can't help but praise the Lord when we are filled with thoughts of his greatness toward us in Jesus. He created us to know him, and in our sin we fell away. But instead of letting us perish, he sent his Son to redeem us. And now we belong to him. He is our great God, and we are his people. We rejoice in this gospel, and we wait for the return of our Savior. Now that is a reason to sing. Bill Wickham called his album Sing Along. And that again is How Great Thou Art on A Haven Today and a program called How Great Thou Art. Earlier, we heard again from author and pastor Robert Morgan sharing how the stories behind the hymns we love 
help us better understand why they are so powerful. The lyrics are rooted in God's Word. The melodies help these truths stick to our minds and in our hearts. And as you read through Rob's book, Then Sings My Soul, you'll not only discover or rediscover the great hymns of our faith, you'll also learn the backstories behind 150 hymns that he writes about. With the sheet music on the left side and the story on the right, this book is the perfect way for you to spend devotional time with your Lord this summer, while also singing biblical truth that'll deepen your faith in Jesus. So, may I invite you, at this beginning of a week, to come to our website, take a look at Thin Sings My Soul by Robert Morgan, and then make your gift, and we'll get you the book when you go to haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us right now at 800 65 Haven. 865 Haven. And just as we go, I want to invite you to pray about becoming a Haven partner. That's someone who prays regularly and gives automatically monthly to partner with us to share the great story that's all about Jesus. Learn more about it when you call. Read more about it when you visit haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for coming and meeting up with me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? when on Tuesday, again, together, we'll share the great story that's all about Jesus on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Who is the best candidate to lead our world? That's the question so many have asked for thousands of years. We are today in politics, but it's a conversation that hasn't ever really ended. Who should be king? That was Israel's question. They wanted to be like the other nations and get a king for themselves, so they came to Samuel and asked. Samuel immediately began looking for the biggest, strongest man he could find. He found Saul, the tallest man in Benjamin. Then Saul failed, so Samuel began his search. The Lord told him, I don't care about appearances. I look at the heart. We may look the part, but only Christ can equip us for his call. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchored.com.